0: Unbelievable. Cool. Ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street. than Death Valley, South We didn't see this coming. Obviously, we felt like we were prepared to play at a high level. Shakers, shake your,
1: shake your hands. Somebody did
0: a good job, and uh, we got to look, look,
2: pick it up, and go get better. Welcome back to the Clemson podcast. The oldest bottle of wine on record was discovered in the Republic of Georgia. At 8,000 years old, it coincides with the last time UGA lived up to the hype. Like most Midwestern tourists, Notre Dame left Florida feeling burnt, broke, and defeated. Jimbo Fisher was unsure of Emmett Rice's intent to hurt Ryan Carter on a special teams play on Saturday. Similarly, Seminole fans are unsure of Fisher's intent to qualify for a bowl game. Clemson is 9-1, and life is good. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. This is your host, Nick. I am joined tonight by Ben and our brand new fourth co-host, Sam. Sam, why don't you say a few words, introduce yourself to the podcast listeners. Hey,
0: everybody. Uh, I am a Clemson grad from 2012. So I'm a little younger than these old folks that I'm sitting here at the table with. Uh, but I have been a fan since I moved out to San Francisco, moving back home. I'm from the Bay Area originally. And, uh, met these guys through our alumni group here in San Francisco and have been watching games with them for the last four years getting to know them and uh, listen to the podcast from the beginning
1: And Sam, you're coming out here throwing haymakers right off the bat man take some take some guts there. He is correct
2: that we are old as hell
1: I mean what are you a year older than s- I am <clears throat>
2: only speaking facts yeah uh, that's right Cody, you're only as old as you sound on a podcast that is true or look that's right. Uh, Well, Sam, Sam's going to come on to us, speak to us a little bit about the men's basketball team, maybe the ladies basketball team, who knows. Uh, But generally, he will be our go to hoops guy this season. So you'll hear more of him. Uh, But in general, you know, we'll get Sam involved in some football chatter and some other sports uh, coming down the line. So we are glad to have him here. You will notice absent this evening is Cody. Cody actually headed back to Clemson this past weekend to take in the Seminoles game live and in person. How much did he pay for those tickets? King's ransom. He bought those, I believe, after the Auburn game. Um, he he gambled and lost on that one. I should I should say.
1: Yeah, pretty bad. I think they were going for like thirty five bucks at
2: game time. Did you check? Did you end up checking? I didn't. I was uh, for for our listeners. We have a pretty pretty heated uh, text exchange going, and I, I was planning to troll Cody with the decelerating L- L- price of live updates
1: of what the yeah. the tickets were in real time.
2: Yep. Didn't um, get around to that, but uh, anyway, I trust he had a good time out there.
1: I mean. I mean, if it if it's any, makes him feel any better, he did win the podcast prediction challenge this week. Um, he actually hit the score, uh, hit the nail on the head on the score. Um, he is still far behind, uh, either me or you, as he was last year. He's not very good at predicting football games, but he got it this time, so credit where credit is due. His only other win this season was when we lost to Syracuse. Special talent, that
2: one. <laughs> um well guys welcome back uh this is our fsu recap show obviously a crazy college football weekend we will touch on all the relevant action kind of after we discuss this florida state game um but then before we get into that i just want to maybe take a moment to understand here after 10 weeks where this football team is i think we in the season preview talked about obviously by this point of the year we would know the fate of this team now we do Uh, All of our goals are in front of us. We obviously suffered a pretty disappointing one to Syracuse just about a month ago. Um, At the time, I don't think any of us as fans thought that that might derail our season, but it left very little margin for error. And, you know, it hasn't always been smooth sailing, even in these subsequent weeks since that loss. I think the team has rebounded pretty well, but we've sustained some injuries here. So um, maybe even, you know, since that Syracuse loss, taking a look at the whole season, I just wanted to comment at how much this team is really exceeded my expectations and probably most of the fan base. If people are being honest with themselves coming off a year where we sent so many guys either to the NFL or who graduated and the best
1: player in the history of the program.
2: Yeah. Coming off a championship. I think, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say we all, all would have been satisfied with an eight and two mark by this point, or I just, I just don't know if any of us really believed we would be a playoff contender this season.
1: Well, I, th- I mean, I think people have to be excited by the fact and be very pleased with the fact That we won the ACC Atlantic. Uh, And granted, uh, Florida State was down, but you know, NC State steps up uh, kind of into that role there. Um, Sputtered or late, but still, they were a formidable opponent. Um, You know, there's a lot of griping going on. You see it on the message boards online about this offense not, uh, you know, really clicking. But listen, I mean, none of us going into this year really thought it all that likely that we repeated. Um, you know, in the ACC Atlantic, let alone the possibility to win the ACC championship and enter the college football playoff for a third year in a row. So I think Clemson fans have to be extremely happy. I mean, again, not only did you lose the greatest player in the history of the program, but that player was at the quarterback position, which is the most critical position on the team. And yeah, Kelly Bryant's had his struggles throwing the ball. He hasn't had a lot of help from his wide receivers, but listen, it's his first year. Um, and so I, I, I find it hard. I think maybe we got a little bit complacent um, or we're a little too spoiled at this point because of what's gone on the last couple of years. But listen, there's there's points last year where we're like, what's the matter with this offense? Why Deshaun Watson throwing so many interceptions? Why, the, why is the defense in the secondary giving up so many big plays over we, the top? We weren't putting teams away last year either. Yeah, exactly. That. And the only reason that we feel different, uh, we felt different last year is because we did have Deshaun Watson. But – It's a similar scenario this year. Granted, we do not have Deshaun Watson. That is a big difference. But still, the way this team has played, they fought through some adversity and some tough times. The only game they lost is when the starting quarterback went down and for the half he was in there, he he wasn't able to play that well because of injury. So if you're a Clemson fan, rejoice right now, man. We're going back to the uh, ACC championship game, and I I think we have a good chance. I know a lot of people are really high on Miami right now, but we'll talk about this a little bit later. I think we got a really good chance to to beat Miami and to go back to the college football playoff.
2: Yeah, I think you nailed it with the comment about feeling spoiled as a fan base. And I feel like that you know definitely carried over from the past couple of years, this run that we're in the middle of right now. But really for me, I think that our kind of sights for this season are we recalibrated as a fan base collectively after that stellar month of September that this team had, um, you know, essentially, you know, going through that tough schedule, three top to 15 opponents, a um, couple of those on the road, Kelly Bryant looked great. Defense looked otherworldly. Um, I think at that point we all recalibrated and we're like, wow, you know, everyone, you know, the media was py- hyping us up talking about a Bama Clemson 3.0 matchup. Um, and I, we all believe the hype and, you know, do i think that can still happen of course you know we mentioned all the goals are ahead of us and this team is is starting to click Uh, but i think you know maybe that it does it is helpful it is useful as fans sometimes to take a step back and think about where we are and this will be just our fifth time playing for an acc title since since really this league came together and started playing that game um if you you know three in a row um atlantic championships that's huge and really i you know i think If you talk about this being a potential down year for us, a rebuilding year, other teams in the Atlantic blew their shot because we continue to stockpile talent at a blue chip level, and um, it's not going to get any easier for all of them.
1: And I'll take that for a rebuilding year to be nine at one at this point in the position we're in. We control our own destiny. Um, Yeah, I'll take that for rebuilding year any day of the week.
2: Awesome. Well, uh, you know, something that we also shouldn't take for granted is beating the Florida State Seminoles. I feel like. Obviously, this is a disappointing year for them. Unheard of that they would now sit at a three and six mark. Um, they are going to get a chance to play for bowl eligibility. As many jokes as we want to make, they likely will get there. Um, who they play this next weekend?
1: They, uh, I don't know. So like one more ACC. I, I think it's right? like Mercer, or maybe oh. a, maybe that's who Alabama. Alabama vs. It, um it, it's some D two school or D one two A FCS opponent, I believe. Delaware State. Uh, Delaware State. Yeah. So then they get Florida,
2: which is like Delaware State. Level of, of, of play. <laughs> they're they're the
1: FBS version of Delaware State. Yeah. Uh, then, but but seriously, we talk about joking. You know, Florida State had to cancel their game earlier this year with uh, Louisiana Monroe because of the hurricane. Now, I'm not joking about that. But they've gone ahead and rescheduled that uh, for uh, championship weekend with the foresight that they're probably going to need that you know, to win that game to become bowl eligible. What happens if Florida State is to say they're not going to lose to Delaware State? They better not. But well, let's say they lose to Florida. That Louisiana Monroe game means nothing. That'd be for their fifth win. Is anybody going to show up for that game? Well,
2: and there's a rule in, in college football where if you have enough, it's essentially an academic. If you have enough academic standing, you can apply to ele- have a fifth game qualify you for bowl eligibility. What are the odds that's Florida State? Uh, pretty pretty slim, I'm thinking, at this <laughs> point. And, and that's only if there, there are spots. So if there are enough, you know, if, they're, if all the bowl spots are filled by six-win teams, they're not going to let you in with a five and seven. But, uh, yeah, the list of schools ahead of Florida State academically, I think, it's going to be pretty
1: long. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you may look at Florida State and be like, well, man, their fans will travel well. Well, not for a five-win uh, bowl team, yeah. wherever. that's what's the where ACC's they, last qualifying bowl? I don't know, was it still
2: Boise? I have no clue. Not sure. It might be Detroit. Um, either way, disappointing year for them. I mean, Even worse. You can, you can talk about, was this... DeAndre Francois did that just kind of unravel their season probably a combination of things I feel like they they have had some injury problems throughout their lineup uh, but yeah that that you know two plus week off stretch where they didn't neither played a game nor um, really got full weeks of practice in definitely affected this team I think that affected Miami I think you saw their play in October be a byproduct of kind of a you know a, a regrouping and some rust um, that took place during the hurricane but yeah but that being said Miami's undefeated Florida State has three wins. Yeah, for sure so Cody and I listened in the old cast a lot we talk about that quite a bit here. I think a lot of it has to do with some of the coaching staff at Florida State not Jimbo Fisher but a lot of his assistants kind of worn out their welcome there and um, he, they missed a good opportunity last year after another disappointing rebuilding year to clean house a bit. Essentially Jimbo doubled down on a lot of these guys and it is not it is not paid dividends. Um, you can talk about the quarterback position. They had a transfer happen this year um, when it was essentially a, not an open quarterback competition. They gave the starting job to Francois um, James Blackman, who we, we will talk about his game here in a moment. He was supposed to be their true freshman third stringer. And here he is, you know, week two cast into the role of starter, all 169 pounds of yeah, soaking wet. So, um, you know, a lot of things went wrong for the Seminoles this season, but they still are a very talented team. And you saw that in, in moments in this game, um, Certainly did not go the way that Clemson fans probably wanted it to go, or that it could have gone. Um, and let's definitely talk here about points left on the field, uh, but or points left off the scoreboard, I should say. Uh, but you know that this is a, this is a talented team, and I thought Clemson put forth a pretty strong effort, especially considering our own injury difficulties.
1: Yeah. So let's you know before we get too deep into the game, let's can we take a step back for a second and just look at the ACC Atlantic Division. Um, and Clemson's dominance over the last few years, the direction that Florida State has gone. Again, uh, if if Clemson loses Kelly Bryant at the beginning of the year, I guarantee you this team does not lose focus under Davo um, and goes on the down, downward spiral that they does. Now, granted, the Hurricane didn't help. Um, I'm not making excuses for them, but I think that's legitimate. Uh, you know, a legitimate issue because they missed some time and they, they, they just, you know, teams they were playing with. Didn't they play, when did they play Miami? It was, they actually
2: rescheduled that So game. that was
1: pretty it early was in the season. It but they, they rescheduled it in Pretty October. much on level footing when they played them. So, right. But taking a look at Clemson, I mean, it's what they've been able to sustain over the past several years. The, the rise of the program. To see them have a stranglehold on this division, division at this point, and perhaps even the entire conference itself, is pretty, pretty incredible. To be able to go through so many players, send players to the draft, uh, lose so much talent year in and year out—you know, every year on defense, it's like we're losing two-star defensive ends—and they they keep <coughs> stepping up. And I mean, it's a testament to recruiting, it's a testament to the coaching staff, and it's a te- te- uh, testament to Dabo and just the culture around the program. But who else? I mean, where else is that happening in the ACC Atlantic right now? I mean, you're not seeing it anywhere. I mean, you have NC State, but um, you know well, they, don't, they continue. I mean, they're they're on a slow rise, but we I think we all think uh, their ceiling with Dave Dorn is so high. Well, this was this was their year. This was Louisville's year. Like I mentioned,
2: Clemson, we had a lot of rebuilding to be doing, a lot of positions, particularly on offense. And NC State, you know, they're they're hyped up and talked about. I don't think I personally bought the hype coming into the year. Um, we had some guys on this show pick us to lose to them. Um, I won't name any names, but, you know, th- they missed their opportunity, and they had a shot at us last week, could not seize the moment. Same goes for Louisville. Um, what, a, what a horrendous decision they made to bring in Sermon as their defensive coordinator, um, essentially sending Grantham, once Grantham left for Mississippi State. Um, and Bobby Petrino basically shot, shot the Lamar Jackson era, um, in the foot. With that yeah, move.
1: I mean, where do, where do they go from here? Losing Lamar Jackson next year and then all the scandal that's going on around uh, the AD that, who's out and Rick Pitino in the basketball program, you got to think that's going to have some sort of effect. And the polish starts to come off, the shine starts to come off a little bit. I think that Petrino, team.
2: Petrino, with the AD leaving, I believe his buyout goes down. Um,
1: he might get poached somewhere else. He might himself want to get out of there. Who's going to take retire. him, though? I mean... There's a lot of talk about Sly, the SEC commissioner, probably not even letting him back in the league after what he's done to them. Uh, but where do you go if you're Petrino? I mean, Louisville is, considering all you've been through and all that you've done, I mean, Louisville's the, the school that kind of uh, took you back in. I mean, do you owe it to him not to skip town again uh, during rough times? I mean, we know his character, so I, I guess yeah. Uh, it's just kind of a silly question knowing that, you know, what would keep him from doing it, but I'm a, yeah, I think you're right, I mean, I'm not sure where
2: he goes. I'm not sure if anywhere is going to pay him what he's making now, but i I think about it more from where does he go from here with with the jims and Joes with guy with recruits right you know uh Lamar Jackson's gone, the defensive coverage is bare at this point, and I don't know that they've got like their next quarterback in waiting as good as
1: that um addition to the a c c looked a few years ago, Louisville is maybe about to see a very, very sharp drop off in both basketball and football. And that would be kind of devastating for the ACC because I don't think they're not a team like Penn state that has the history that can sustain such a huge scandal like the, the Jerry Sandusky scandal, um, and come back, get, you know, a big NCAA ban and come back to prominence uh, within a few years. I don't think Louisville's built for that. But to answer your question,
2: Ben, I don't think anyone is, is going to compete with Clemson or Florida state for this, this division, sustainably for a very long time. Um, I think it's ours now. It's our time in the sun. I don't know if Jimbo can get his coaching staff fixed, you know, kind of clean out the fridge as uh, but Elliot puts it um, from the Florida state and old cast. Uh, But yeah, maybe, maybe they can get back there. They're definitely well resourced. You know, they, they've got a pretty deep budget uh, to pay their coaching staff. So we know Florida state won't be down long um, based on the pedigree of their program, but I, I can't see it. I think if you want to talk about that next year, there might be some shuffling. If Dino Babers stays at Syracuse, they can continue to recruit there and, and build up what he's doing. I just think their ceiling is, you know, at max
1: I don't know what, 7 win seasons, 7-8 yeah, eight win eight, seasons eight maybe. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Dino Babers is not long for Syracuse if they start playing well. Actually,
2: the uh, Coastal in my opinion seems to be the one that's absolutely. maybe a, li-
1: a bit more competitive long term. Absolutely. And a lot of great coaches over there. Um. So, what about all these job openings coming open in the SEC? Do you see any possibility of Jimbo leaving for one of those, giving the state of Florida State football?
2: I I'm not sure what happens if he just leaves and walks out on his contract. Like what the what the kind of two way implications of that are. If Florida State wanted to move on from him, his buyouts in the 40 million range, I believe. So that's not happening
1: and the next um, place you go is only going to give you 3 to 4 years before they get impatient.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I guess the one school that everyone has penciled him in for would be LSU. I don't think they make a change this year. I mean LSU's ranked right now. Yeah, no, LSU
1: ba- bounce back. They're a two loss team right now. So, yeah. Ed Orgeron's done a good job to keep those kids focused on like Jimbo at Florida State. Yeah. Um I, I would
2: say not this year for Jimbo. I I think he's he's locked in. He'll get it. It's not like he'll get another shot. I mean, this is his job, but um, he's already made overtures that they're going to be making quite a bit of changes there. In the program. the So, and, you know, and I will say that, yes, they sit here three and six um, of those, of those losses. I believe four of them came within one score. Um, so they're it's not like they lost just really heartbreaking games or anything, but you know, this season could have bounced a couple of different ways.
1: Blown out by BC. Yep.
2: Good point. Maybe three of those games, actually the better number, but, um, yeah. Anyway, you know, the Atlantic is Clemson's once more. I think this was this was one of the years that we were gonna, you know, maybe be, find that to be a, a, a tougher test, a tougher challenge. I think NC State they're gonna be down again next year when Finley is out and Jalen Samuels should be gone too. Uh, I imagine Bradley Chubb will be going to the NFL draft too. So Dave Doran, who knows if he bounces after That's this. Good year. news
1: for our tower co- towel collection. Um, I will. I will give uh, Chubb some credit. Uh, apparently, a lot of Clemson fans mailed him some Clemson towels uh, after the game to make fun of him, and I think it was Hines, Naheem Hines, sent out a, a tweet, I believe it was, with a picture of him wearing it around the locker room, so I'm glad the kid has a sense of humor with it, and he owned up to it. You know, they lost, and, you know, he took the towel, and he, he, uh, he showed a little bit of humility there, I guess, and a little bit of a sense of humor, and yeah. again, I had no problem with it taking the towels. Hilarious. I,
2: I think it was hilarious. Yeah. I like any of those games within the game trying to get in other guys' heads. Exactly. You know, yes, it went against Kelly Bryant. Whatever. And Kelly Bryant took it in stride. No big deal. And then we
1: yeah. get the last laugh.
2: Well, Ben, why don't we move on to the seminal game? Before we go there, I want to take this opportunity to uh, thank our listeners. Really appreciate you guys tuning in every week, uh, rain or shine or snow, um, to the podcast and telling people about it. We've seen our listen counts definitely jump up in recent weeks, so we, we do appreciate your listens. Um, Before we kind of thank our listeners here, Ben's got a few words to say, but I wanted to encourage you all, um, I noticed we we do have a number of listeners who tune in via streaming services out there. And if you haven't yet tried it, um, if you would prefer to listen either in your car or on the move on your smartphone, if you're at the gym, you're mowing your lawn or plowing your driveway as it were, um, feel free to subscribe to us through any podcast app of your choice. Um, If you use an Android device, we are now available on Google Play Music, as well as um, popular podcasting apps like Pocket Casts and Stitcher. If you use an iPhone, uh, the iPhone has a native podcast app. You can find us there. Or if you use um, the one I use, which is Overcast, I like that a lot because you can listen to podcasts at 1.5x speed or 2x speed, kind of get through them a little bit quicker. Um, I prefer to do that. So feel free to subscribe to us out there. We are on just about every platform.
1: Uh, yeah, and then a uh, new SoundCloud like and share this weekend from Thomas uh, Altizer. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but we appreciate that. Um, guys, every time you you hit a, you know, you like us, or you, especially when you share us, that really gets, uh, gets us out there because uh, we don't market a lot. We, you know, we're active on Facebook and Twitter, and we really do appreciate everybody that engages with us on there. Um, it's awesome for us out here in San Francisco to be able to stay connected via those platforms, uh, with Clemson fans across the country. You know, we've we've heard from um, you know, military members serving in the Middle East. We've heard from a guy in Ireland who <laughs> never set foot in the United States. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, so we appreciate all that. Everybody that emailed Cody um, about the Florida State game, uh, we apologize on his behalf for uh, him not getting back to you. He was a little overwhelmed uh, and wasn't gonna be able to make it around to everybody, but we're gonna make sure he responds to you um, and doesn't make any more, uh, uh, baseless promises
2: I'm sure his mouth doesn't write checks is you know what can't <laughs> cash his integrity can't cash me he goes, he goes to Clemson
1: um, yeah and just you know again thanks to everybody for for continuing to listen we we see increases uh, year in and year out and, and uh, our listen total um, and that you know pushes us to keep doing this and also try to improve the quality of what we do and add little things here and there we've done more with the audio this year I think this offseason we're gonna play with uh, maybe making some t-shirts or something like that or some koozies um, see what we can do in our spare time between life uh, with our wives our kids and whatever Cody does in his spare time In his spare not time. sure
2: cool well uh, thank you thank you all as well um, feel free to tell friends and let's move on to the floor state game fairly decisive at the end of it, Uh 31, 14 victory by Clemson here, Ben. This one was actually a lot closer than it should have been. Uh, 14 points from the Knolls. I don't think any of us expected them to put many more points on the board than that. Um, I think I had them at a slightly higher total just based on defensive injuries Clemson had. And this, this game generally always being closer than it should be. Um, if you take 2013 out of the equation, um, but you know, not too surprised by Clemson's point total on this one either. That said, you know, I, I mentioned it or alluded to it earlier i do think clemson left quite a few points on the board in this game or off the board as it were off the scoreboard um and we should talk about kind of instances of that but um yeah you know we easily could have held florida state under that under 10 points um if we didn't let that that break it break happen on that Izzo play um later on in the game so um, overall i mean i just wanted to ask you like what how do you think clemson played in this what are your kind of Initial takeaways from the game.
1: Well, it's funny. I mentioned to a few people going into halftime, even coming out, you know, coming out of the half, um, how you can tell when this coaching staff does not respect an opponent's ability to actually score on us, and that's the way it felt uh, for a large part of this game into the third quarter. Uh, you saw Clemson get up seventeen to nothing. Did leave eleven points out there. Should have been more. So at that point, you're feeling pretty good as a Clemson fan because you've seen instances of this throughout the year we can just tell you like this team they can't move the ball, um, especially teams that are one dimensional in offense. Um, but then that swung. Um, and they get back within three points, 17 to 14. and I was I was nervous. I probably wasn't as nervous as I should have been because I still didn't feel that they were going to come back and win. Um, we had to have some things go our way. That interception by Van Smith after the fumble was absolutely huge. I mean, that, that broke their back on that one. But there's some other places that should have broken their back earlier. Uh, Deion Kane uh, should have not dropped that ball, and that should have <coughs> been a clear touchdown, and that could have helped put the game away. I think it would have been 24-7 to at that point. Um, yep. So it's just it's just little things like that. Again, I never really felt like too much like the game was in danger, even when they had the ball. For that fleeting moment, uh, you know with a chance to go up on us, but again, it really didn't seem like early on in the game that the, the the coaching staff respected Florida State's ability to to move the ball and score on us, and you know what uh, you know, to their defense, Florida State wasn't showing the ability to do it
2: yeah, you read a lot from Florida State fans after the fact or I listened to the Noel Kason's reaction they're like, we Florida State let this one slip away i don't i don't I didn't read it like that at all they they did about as as well as they could expect to do against Clemson. We gave them so many opportunities to take this game, and they just didn't capitalize. But I think Clemson actually nearly nearly lost this game more than Florida State would have won. Oh it. yeah,
1: absolutely. To, uh, when you let to let a game <laughs> slip away means that you had it in hand or you right. you had control of it. And Florida State never really had control of this game.
2: Yeah, definitely not. So you know we could talk about it in phases, but the at halftime you mentioned it. We go in with a seventeen nothing lead. I think. You know, in this type of semi rivalry game, you could call it um, to go in with a 17 point lead after a bunch of mistakes happened in the first half. I think, you know, fairly OK with that. But by all rights, should have been a 28 nothing lead. And yeah. by that point, you can rest a lot of guys in the second half more than we were. Um, and it's just a completely different ball game than a you know two score, make it close, make a sweat it game like it ended up being.
1: Yeah. You know, Blackman's getting hit. And he's getting taken out. I mean, kudos to that kid for standing back up, especially early on in the game. He took some big hits from, uh, uh, was it Austin Bryant first, I believe, and then uh, Trey, Trey, Lamar Trey Lamar wrecked him on that fumble. That was on the second series, so actually, I mean,
2: maybe Austin Bryant got a, got a lick in on him in the first series. Uh, but. Maybe
1: it was Cleveland Farrell, I can't remember. Yeah. On the, it was Austin Bryant, yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he was taking some licks, and the kid, you know, to his credit, he stayed in there and played tough all game long. I mean, the, the bottom line is that he's a true freshman. He's 169 pounds, and he just wasn't – He's not there yet. He may be one day, uh, but it wasn't this game. Um, All all that being said, yeah, I totally agree with you. Clemson should have pulled ahead in this game by even more than that early on and put a dagger in. And that's one of the concerning things with this team is you don't really see them put teams away a lot. It happened against Virginia Tech. It happened against Louisville. And uh, oddly enough that those games are on the road and why aren't we able to being able to produce the same results at home? Um, But again, it's part of its focus and part of its correcting... Uh, t- uh, technique, technical errors, and mental errors. Um, so it's nothing to do with talent. And the encouraging thing is we have seen this team play mentally tough in some crunch times, even when Kelly Bryant's not having his best game, which he hasn't had uh, two great. You know, he's had two games in a row that haven't been that great passing the ball. But the mental perseverance to stay in there, to have Florida State come within three, and then to turn around and score twice. Uh, uh, in the game, I mean, that, that says a lot about this team. At the end of the day, they're 9-1. and
2: Yeah, I, for me, you can talk about how this defense played against Blackman. I, I was shocked to hear Steve Levy at one point say, that was the fifth sack for Clemson. It felt like we had
1: you know as many as the Auburn game at one point. Well, there. it's because we had 10 tackles for losses as well. I mean, five sacks, 10 tackles for losses, seven pass deflections. I mean, but that's not how surprising is that? I mean, Clemson's defensive line, no the <laughs> reason it is surprising with Dexter Lawrence down... Um, of how dominant they were over Florida State's offensive line, but this this team leads the, the country in sacks, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I I think the
2: defensive line once again were the was the high, you know the highlight of this team and the, the players of the game. Um, probably give it to Cleve Farrell. He's been such a workhorse, and you know give him his props. But um, to have that type of defensive performance and limit Florida State to you know what we did here,
1: twenty one yards rushing. I mean, they, yeah. that's all they do is rush the but ball. But to do
2: that with, you know, missing Kendall Joseph, to have Trey Lamar go out in the game, uh, Ryan Carter obviously left to the Dexter concussion. Lawrence yeah, there. Yeah, out. Stuff
1: in the middle. Tanner Muse wasn't playing uh, due to that yes. uh, a big a big club on his hand. So, yeah, I mean, it was absolutely amazing to me to s- sustain so many injuries and very encouraging to have a lot of these backups play well because we are going to be getting some of these guys back. Uh, Fields and Edmond are coming back, we hear, for the Citadel game. Uh, Carter, he'll be in con- concussion protocol. Whether or not he plays this week against the Citadel doesn't really matter. I think you could stand to rest him. Um, and, and Joseph should be back. So you get that depth. You get a kind of a week off, break against Citadel. Um, then South Carolina, a couple hard games. If we were able to get in the playoffs, I think you have to be really encouraged. Albert Huggins had a great game. Uh, filling in for Dexter Lawrence. He was explosive getting into the backfield. Um, It was fantastic to see him play so well. He's finally coming along, it seems. Yeah, sticking on
2: defense, I think our D-line played a great game. I think they capitalized on some incongruity or softness on the Florida State line. You saw that in the tackles for loss. You saw that in the five sacks. Um, That Trey Lamar forced fumble. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Just I'm sure you guys will watch that replay time and again, but
1: that reminded me a lot of the the clowny hit on that Michigan running back uh, several years ago, yeah, in the Capital One Bowl or whatever. I yeah, mean, ex- except Blackman's helmet it, stayed on.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean that that is on Blackman. He did not pick up Trey Lamar, you know, to get rid of the ball or. And how can you, know, you miss evade him? that? He's huge. Yeah, um, he had a head of scene though coming in. I mean, I, I don't know how much you're be able to evade that, but he took that shot about as hard as you can. Not a surprise he lost the ball. Um, that was a huge break for us at the time. I mean, we, we went, I don't know if we went three and out on the previous drive, but um, didn't start great. And, you know, that really kind of kickstarted our first half offense um, and really ignited the team on defense too.
1: Um, yeah, we went three and out on the first drive and we'll get to the offense. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was a uh, shot in the arm there and a good momentum builder early in the game, get the crowd into it. Uh, awesome to see, especially with Kendall Joseph being out.
2: Yeah. So great, great effort by the defense. Uh, You mentioned the sacks, two turnovers, none bigger than that Van Smith interception to really, I thought there was a big momentum shift. You you had a lot of confidence going under Blackman. He got a little bit, he got a little bit into hero ball mode there, um, trying to push the, force the ball into a tight spot and Van Smith cut off the route and uh, picked that off right after Kelly Bryant's fumble just before that. Um, So that was critical, kind of move the ball back into, into Clemson's hands. And um, we didn't look back from that point on, but Um, Yeah, just tremendous defensive effort. Let me ask you, Ben, I mean, with Ryan Carter going out in the game, feel free to comment on that on the play that knocked him out. But um, what did what did sort of this game show you about the depth of Brent Venable's defense?
1: Well, first on the hit, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what Jimbo Fisher says. Um, That was a dirty hit and that was an intentional hit. Uh, you, you saw the guy celebrate over Ryan Carter after the hit, celebrating with his, teams on the side, his teammates on the sideline, and then giving the Clemson fans the, the sleep motion uh, running off the field there. I mean, completely classless. Um, that's two weeks in a row now we've had to face something like that with coaches essentially condoning certain behavior, and it's pretty sad to see, especially, you know, Dave Dorn's one thing. He's always been a hothead. Jimbo Fisher's a more seasoned veteran of a coach. He's got a national championship. I would expect better from him. Um, but talking about Brent Venables, the depth of the depth of the defense. Again, I mean, you still have Christian Wilkins inside, so he's going to be an anchor there. You saw him switch back and forth between his normal spot and Dexter Lawrence's spot. Albert Huggins again played a really good game um, at linebacker. JD Davis stepped up, uh, led the, lead the <laughs> team in tackles. Um, I know a lot of people aren't very confident in him with his limited range of motion and athleticism, but you know what? He's doing what, what's being asked of him, and he's playing big in big moments, not making too many big mistakes. A cornerback, Trayvon Mullen, I thought played extremely well. He did have a couple pass interference calls, um, so, but otherwise I thought he played a, a really great game, tight in coverage. Uh, he had really tight coverage on that pass deflection, on a fourth down on FSU's second to last drive that really sealed the deal for us after uh, or right before we went down and scored on that uh, that last drive for us. So all around great game I think by Trayvon Mullen uh, minus a couple of those PI calls. Yeah penalties
2: sort of crept in here. There were a couple of broken coverages. We mentioned the Izzo play. Um, Auden Tate had a deep ball that he he was able to pull in.
1: Um, and they just missed, Florida State just missed on another one that could have been a touchdown. Yeah, that was underthrown, right? Yeah, and that was I, that was on fourth down, too. Uh, they were down 17-0 early in the third quarter. Yeah, and so it's something that... It was overthrown. Oh, that's right, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it, it it is something where
2: it's great news to hear uh, Edmund and Mark Fields will be coming back. Let's hope Ryan Carter can make a full recovery. Wish the best for him. Uh, but the secondary's depth was definitely tested, and I think, you know, kind of come up on... the kind of came up on the short end of that test in the end of this game. And, you know, you can only ask so much of guys like Amir Trap and, you know, um, it, true freshmen coming in to play in, in a, in a tight game. So um, it's really something we need these guys to come back for, if we're going to contend against Miami.
1: Yeah. I mean, we need to be, be healthy at this point, uh, opposing deep or offensives have enough uh, tape on us at this point of the season to kind of pick apart our weaknesses and, you know, guys are still probably going to get injured. What we can't uh, afford to have happen is guys go out with season-ending injuries. We've been lucky thus far that they've just been, a, you know, a game or two in Fields' case, three or four games. And, of course, Edmund has been, hasn't been has played since the Auburn game. But still, for the most part, I think we've been pretty lucky. Yeah, that's right. Uh, got some reps
2: in there, like I mentioned, for A.J. Terrell. So uh, good to see him get um, some, some reps here. Looks like... Um, Anyway, across the board, got a lot got a lot of play for guys that needed some minutes um, in this game to come away with the win is good. We'll likely see a lot of them also getting reps in the Citadel game coming up. Um, so that's something that we can also rest our starters. I think it's a little bit less important for us to be getting, you know, uh, register and Shaq Smith reps than it is to rest um, their counterparts that are starters or kind of that immediate second string.
1: Yeah, and that's, again, just to rest, guys. I mean, we don't expect to see Shaq Smith play any meaningful minutes uh, here this season. He's not going to really start to flourish till next, uh, most likely. But, yeah, just to rest, guys. That's why you built in this Citadel game to the schedule. Um, It's to give rest this time of year before your rivalry game. Yeah, I I was chatting with a guy that doesn't know.
2: Let's just say he doesn't appreciate Southern football as much as we do. And, um, like, you think Clemson will take any heat from the committee for scheduling the Citadel at this time of year? I'm like, no, SEC has been doing it forever. We finally got wise to the practice of scheduling this before rivalry week. You mentioned Ben, Bam has got Mercer. I think Auburn has UL Monroe, the team that FSU will be rescheduling with. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's a good time to take them on versus having another kind of cupcake matchup in September that doesn't really tell you a whole lot. So I think we probably back in September would have said, dang, I wish we had to sit a little now. Get Kelly Bryant some reps before Auburn, but I'm, I think we hit Auburn at the right time of year for us. I, I
1: absolutely think so.
2: So we will take it. Um, why don't we flip over to the offense? So we've already mentioned a number of the plays happening in, in this game on offense. Some of the highlights are lowlights as they were. Um, I don't think we need to do any type of like drive by drive analysis here, uh, but yet another relatively health, healthy performance by Kelly Bryant um, didn't show any specific uh, signs of issue with the ankle. I think you could ask yourself, though, from a technique perspective, playing the foot on deep balls, um, some sailing overthrows on shorter intermediate routes. Um, this may be affecting him and maybe affecting his his passing game more so than his running game. Um, he, he had a pretty, pretty solid game um, with his legs. You know, ETN was our leading rusher with 97 yards, but KB still put forth uh, 19 rushes, which... You know, that's kind of a sweet spot number uh, for 60 yards. So not, not a crazy pl- prolific amount of running on the day. He had a long of 16. Uh, but in general, you know, just over five yards per attempt passing, that's that's not going to cut it against most defenses. I think we're going to need, need a lot more out of the passing game. Um, in most, most contests.
1: Well, and I think where you really see it lacking is obviously everybody's talking about the deep ball because his passing percentage is at 65% right now, which is really good. I mean, Deshaun Watson, his first year was at 66%, but it is the deep ball. And yes, he is over or under throwing the ball at times. He's overthrowing the ball at times. Um, but there are also are several instances where the receivers, uh, namely Dion Cain is not doing him any favors. If Kane. uh, brings that one in that hits him right in the hands. He goes for a 70, 70 yard touchdown. Um, there's been instances earlier this year. And I believe in the last game gets NC state uh, of wide receivers uh, getting in, interfered with. You get those calls. Uh, it doesn't count as a completed pass, a long pass, but you know, they're being held and not gonna be able to catch up to the ball. So, um, you know, it's, we we seen it. We saw it work earlier in the season. The Clemson coaches are saying that they see it happen in practice. So it may be the ankle that he got a little bit off with his technique. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they can do in this this week and how much play how much play actually um, is out there for against the Citadel. And I think you're going to see some deep balls as they start to hone in on that. Um, but for the most part, I mean, anybody that thinks that Hunter Johnson or Zarek Cooper should come in at this point is that it's absolutely ridiculous talk. Kelly Bryant has been the man. Again, he's won every game that he's started healthy and finished. Um, I don't think there's any question there. Yeah,
2: for sure. And down the stretch, he was able to lead guide and lead this offense to the points that we needed, not just to secure the win, but really to push the margin of victory to a higher point where on secondary analysis, looking back, you know, maybe looks like a better win than it actually was on uh, in, you know, between the lines. Uh, but yeah, you know, KB is our guys beyond a game manager for this team. I think we're still maybe waiting for a complete four quarter game from him and this offense, but that doesn't lead me to believe that we can't put that together against a South Carolina or a Miami.
1: Well, this offense seemed to struggle a little bit in third quarters last year. We talked about not putting the game away. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of systematic at this point. It's not just on one guy, you know, Interesting, he had, when he throws the ball over the middle, he throws it with a lot of accuracy and zip. He had that two plays in the row, uh, that one long pass to DJ Greenlee, and then the immediate play after that, a great throw to Hunter Renfro. The Hunter Renfro just dropped, and that never happens. So I'm interested to see if they don't start incorporating some more passes over the middle, because he has been, he steps into those, he's been really accurate on those. Um, The deep balls where he's floating some up, they've they've gotten a little wobbly um, of late. And obviously the throws where he's rolling out and why he thinks uh, Hunter Renfro is 7 feet tall, I don't know. But he really does need to stop airmailing those because if you get those in Hunter Renfro's vicinity, he's going to come down with them.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Myron Richard did not have a catch in this game, but Greenlee had that one over the middle. Amazing 32-yard catch. Um he can, he can scramble like that
1: with the ball, Let's get it to him more. I don't know how his hands are, though. Well, I mean, Kelly Bryant, that was a matter of him putting in the right spot. That was a terrific throw he had there. Um, but then looking kind of at some of the other warts on this offense, I've mentioned this for several shows now. Stalled drives. They happen when Clemson has negative plays on first down. First drive of the game, uh, false start on Pollard on first down. You, you cannot do that at home. Um, we go on and can't convert on third and nine. Uh, the second drive, uh, Adam Choice runs for a loss of five yards on first down, and then KB runs for a loss of four, um, and they end up third and nineteen. Can't convert. Uh, we got to start eliminating those plays um, because because we're not doing well at throwing the deep ball or throwing anything uh, ten plus yards. We're not able to make up that ground. So I think we need to we need to play smart and be just more mentally sound. And that's bugged this team for a few games in a row there. And that's one of the things that concerns me to the point when I see us have a negative play on first down, I give up on the drive I, it, because it's proven, they've proven not to be able to, uh, to convert on those for the most part. And I, I don't know if that case, you know, in those two cases, ETN is not playing early in the game. Um, maybe you put him in there on those first, second, and longs and see if he can bust a run for 10, 15 yards. Um, he's the most capable back on the team of doing that. Yeah, and actually, this team's fourth down conversion rate is pretty solid this year. So, so it's their third down.
2: Yeah, so get it, get it closer on this first two. But when it's a manageable third and distance, right? It, it did seem in the previous game, I want to say against NC State and even Georgia Tech to a lesser extent, that it would be if you where we are having success on first down, it's run and then you go pass, pass, um, or pass, run, run, and for that not to really sustain itself or for us to notice a formula. Um, you know, maybe leads you to believe they should be calling things differently. But it, I don't know, to, to just chalk things up as a play calling issue, I don't necessarily know that that's true. You know, you do need to have some execution happening. Um, and look, Travis Etienne, he is a true freshman. Um,
1: you got to keep finding ways to get the ball in his hands.
2: It's true. But that said, I mean, and I'm not here knocking his game or criticizing him, but, you know, he's still learning. This is what his... I mean, I think there was a game where he didn't have a snap earlier in the year. This is, like, his eighth game that he just played. Um, yes, it's incredible. I think we should find ways to get him the ball, but
1: um, you should also expect maybe some growing pains, too. Yeah, uh, well, he hasn't shown. I mean, he's only improved in his pass blocking at this point, man. I think it's, here's ball run fast. It's it's worked so far.
2: Yeah, I mean, I watched a little bit of that Alabama-Mississippi State game, and in crunch time, when it came down to it, it was Jalen Hurts that won that game for Alabama, but up until that point they're very run first offense and I wouldn't mind seeing Clemson just start to lean on teams in the running game entirely um, didn't necessarily work out for Notre Dame I think they had some injury issues um, with with um, with their lead back but anyway I think that we have a much more talented core of run of ball carriers I should say
1: yeah and interesting to see Fuller and Choice still being out there early in games I'm not sure I Totally agree with that, but that being said, credit to Adam Choice. He had some bruising runs early in the game, but definitely there at the end um, on that last drive when they're worn down. Uh, for him to come in fresh, um, I've been really pleased that he's stuck it in there this year, and when his time's called, he's he's, he's been producing as of late. So, uh, But yeah, just, just going back to Kelly Bryant for a minute, he actually – that DJ Greenlee throw I think was another instance. Actually, Trevion Thomas he had a uh, Thompson. Thompson he had a great throw too right before that Hunter Renfro throw. So it's something about those balls over the middle that he's doing really well and he's able to the, the step into them. But you can see that I think his lack of confidence that may be evident sometimes affects how they call the game when you talk about play calling. So I don't know. They need to find out some formula. Uh, to get this offense going. But then at the same time, again, you limit some of these bad uh, negative plays on first down. Again, in the second half, uh, there's two instances where we had incomplete passes on first and 10. Well, you know, if he's sailing the ball high, I may call some some better plays that cater to his ability or how he's playing currently in the game. Um, But, again, at the end of the day, this offense is still scoring. Um and has against pretty good teams and pretty good defenses. Make no mistake, this is a really good Florida State defense. Like They haven't been losing people on defense. It's right. a really good football team on defense, and this football team was able to put up 31 points on them. Yeah, and, <clears throat> again, left at least 11 more points on the, on the field. Um, let's talk a
2: little bit about that, Ben. Inside the five, early on in the game, in the second quarter, uh, Clemson went down and had an RPO, uh, that Kelly Bryant, I think, wish he had kept, but sort of handed it off to Feaster and Burns came off the the side unblocked, got a hand in there. It didn't look to me like he got actually much much hand on the ball at all. Like he he tapped the ball and it just popped out of, of their hands. Recovery on the three, no points on that drive. You know, fast forward maybe five minutes of game time, same situation coming back, and uh, sort of same play call RPO inside inside the five, and another fumble happens. Florida State did not pounce on it. can't believe that. I think they were trying to scoop and score, um, maybe considering that that might be one of the only ways they could score in this game. Uh, so we have, we were able to recover it, kick a field goal a couple of plays later. Uh, but I don't know, just red zone kind of play calling and it has hurt this team, not just this year, but going back into the Deshaun Watson era and a little bit of... I guess I was going to go an angle here of like awareness of what to do, what to call in, in the zone. Uh, but for me... This seems like don't don't give don't have that mesh point come into play in in that in that part of the field.
1: Well, especially when you're seeing it fail and seeing some mistakes being made. Uh, I know a really good uh, Hunter Renflow play that they could draw up. It's yeah. How's that one going? Been proven to be successful. Um, maybe it's because nobody can uh, block or set the pick like Arteva Scott. Well, have
2: we had a single red zone situation where we throw it
1: up for T Higgins? I'm not uh, saying a yeah, fade. I'm saying. Uh, well, there's we've had a couple times, at least one, his first one where uh, he got pass interference called against him. I don't know if they trust him at that point. I would go more towards DeAndre Overton. Give it a shot. I mean, um, I wouldn't do it to Kane because he doesn't go up and fight for the ball.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Or I mean, play action, simple play action, but not to have that mesh point where so much can go wrong. You know, in, in tight quarters there.
1: when when everything's bunched up and I I wouldn't worry about it way too much yet because this team for the most part has been successful at scoring touchdowns in the red zone uh this year you just you don't want it to become a trend and a problem so that's why you keep an eye on that I mean to be honest with you the biggest problem with this team right now is they're not able to sustain long drives they had uh, no scoring drive no touchdown drive um over 50 yards this game the field goal was on a, a drive of over 50 yards but other than that, there was the fumble by Blackman that set them up with a good field position. There was the Ray Ray punt return that set them up with a good field position, Van Smith, INT, uh, and then turnover and downs for FSU at the 28. I mean, all those set up Clemson's offense in uh, plus territory on Florida State's side of the field. So, again, I want to start seeing Clemson get the ball at the 20-yard line at the beginning of the game or any point during the game and be able to actually sustain a drive and drive the field without making a mistake and shooting themselves in the foot. And there's not a lot of time left
2: to to get that level of experience and to be doing that and sustaining those. And it's great if we're, you know, encountering so many long touchdowns, but I think I talking to you guys before the game or something like we have a horrendous explosiveness rating in um, our advanced stats on offense. That's what's holding this offense back is the number of, you know, 20, 30, 40 plus yard touchdowns. Yes. So we have a lot of those. And we actually remember these, you know, ETN and Feaster continue to have those, but um, apparently not enough. So, um, yeah, that is that is something you do, you don't just sustain drives with those. You sustain drives with getting ahead of the chains, methodically moving the ball, or
1: you know, I don't know, intermediate passes. We don't seem to have as many of those either. They're still not far away. Um, a, a couple of mis- um, things to correct here and there. Yeah, we're we're De- nitpicking. Yeah, Deion Kane just needs to relearn how to catch the ball, but still time. I mean, you say there isn't time if we can get through. Through the ACC championship game, we have some time um, to, to make some corrections. So we'll see how it goes. Great. Um, any last thoughts in this game from the special teams side? Uh, just Ray Ray, solid at punt return. Man, you don't you know you're not worried that he's going to muff a punt at any point um, during a game. And he's sh- uh, starting to show more and more explosiveness on his returns. Um, I'm really surprised we haven't seen a kick return this year for a touchdown, especially given ETN. He had a kind of a setback in this game. He didn't have very many good, good returns. He was stopped short of the twenty, I think, a couple of times. So I think he's tired of running the ball so much for ninety-seven yards. And maybe that's it. I know he did drop one ball in the end zone. Um, uh, I don't know if it was the first. Uh, maybe it was the first kickoff of the game. I can't remember, but uh, yeah. Uh, but haven't and again, when your offense is not able to drive the field, setting them up at the thirty-five instead of the twenty. <coughs> And it makes a big difference. Huge deal. I mean, is there anyone else you'd like to see
2: get, get shots back there in the kick return game? Obviously, ETN brings the most explosiveness
1: on this team. Um, ETN. Uh, you got ETN, Feaster. I'd be interested to see what Ray Ray can do. Am I wrong? Was Amari Rodgers feeling kicks at any point this year? Um, maybe as we maybe yeah. like when it's not crunch time. Um, I'm not sure you trust a freshman like that quite yet in those high impact uh, type of scenarios. But eventually, I'm sorry, I think I meant he, Cornell Powell. Oh, uh, yeah. I haven't noticed him either. No, okay. I think he's had a couple, but uh, yeah,
2: really a T TTN. He's he's led the team with I think he had, he averages like 19 and a half yards,
1: um, which is yeah, it's decent, but it's not. But a not common. when you're starting two, three yards yeah. in the end zone. It's fine so, if you catch the ball at the 10. Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, and yeah, you know, Spence had a pretty good game kicking, um, no missed field goals in this one, hit his four PATs. He's perfect under 30 yards on the year. It's Great. Keep it up. We'll, we'll at least take that. Um, so yeah, you know, decisive victory clinched another Atlantic title, um, final ACC game. So great season in that regard. Um, move on to the Citadel next weekend. Uh, this will be an opportunity to ideally to get some rest for our team. But I imagine you will see a lot of starters in there probably longer than any of us would like, but clearly this team has a number of areas to work on and we cannot leave things to a chance um, considering we've already sustained our one loss. We've got enough chaos for one season um, in terms of this team. So um, look to this team to ideally, you know, get a decent crooked number on the board in the first couple of quarters um, and hopefully starts to
1: spell guys after half. Yeah. I want to see starters out in the second half and the second half should belong to a, Zarek Cooper and Hunter Johnson. Yeah, I think this will be a game, Ben. I'm interested in seeing guys actually
2: come back from injury and knock off rust more than um, you know, see starters. A guy life. like
1: Edmund and Fields. Yeah. Especially Edmund, again, hadn't played since the Auburn game.
2: Yep, indeed. Um, and then after that, we will head to Columbia to face the Game Cox That has been announced as a 7.30 Eastern kickoff in William Br- williams Bryce Stadium. I don't know. I guess my advice for people... Go to
1: the bathroom before you go to the stadium.
2: What do you think? <laughs> they got plumbing problems, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're if you have thick enough skin and a brave enough Clemson fan to uh, go into that environment with those absolutely horrid fans, you know, more power to you. Uh, last time I was there for was for the sixty three seventeen game. Um, <laughs> I fortunately was not subjected to a lot of hate at the end of that game because they were gone at halftime, but. uh, yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a tough environment. That's going to be a tough game. South Carolina is not as bad as they were last year. They're still not a great team, but we, we got to watch out. We can't we can't just look it over and, and be looking towards Miami. That's going to be a tough game. Yeah, they've had much much worse
2: teams than this one play us a lot closer. When maybe Clemson had even a better team than we've got this year. So um, it's a rivalry game. You know, stuff stuff happens in those. So I don't think we can look ahead. I know that this coaching staff will hammer that home with our players. Um, so we will look forward to that. Uh, but I guess that all sets up for the ACC title game. That matchup has now been locked in. Clemson against the Miami Hurricanes. That will once again return to Charlotte. I don't know how well Miami fans travel. This is their
1: first time competing for an ACC title ever. They have a hard enough time getting to their stadium. Yeah. Although I will say it was pretty packed from the Notre Dame game. Now, how many of those were Notre Dame fans? Decent amount.
2: And I think Miami, you just get a lot of fair weather fans coming out of the woodwork. I don't see those people booking flights to North Carolina to go to this game. No, certainly not driving. It's a long state. So you can imagine this one will likely be a little bit more of a home environment for Clemson than uh, that game was against UNC two years ago. And then last year it was in Orlando, right? Um, against Virginia Tech. Yeah. Nobody moved, traveled to that one. No, it's a good thing they moved it back to Charlotte. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this should be a relatively comfortable environment for Clemson to play. See so yeah, how the weather does in that game. But then let's pivot over to what happened this weekend in college football. Essentially, I think we can start where we left off there, which is with the Miami Hurricanes. Incredibly impressive performance against Notre Dame. Banged up a little bit on offense coming in with their lead running back. However, This one, top to bottom, was one that Miami, I thought, showed that they were the better football team. Um, They methodically ran the ball pretty well in this game. I don't necessarily think they were uh, super dominant on offense. I think Notre Dame gave them a lot of opportunities with turnovers. Uh, Their backup quarterback came in and threw a pick six, for instance. But uh, you know, a lot of the doubters throughout the year where Miami was very close in games but coming away with victories in the October time frame, they had that definitive win last week against Virginia Tech, and then this one against Notre Dame. I think, yeah, the, the doubters are silenced. I think Miami is pretty legit. Do I think they're a number one, number two team in the country? Maybe based on re- resume right now because they're still undefeated. Uh, but I, I do think that this is a team that, provided Clemson comes back healthy, we can compete with and, and probably
1: outlast. Well, you wouldn't make a similar argument about Wisconsin. Um, by saying maybe because they're undefeated, because you wouldn't. So I think we need to, to look at some other metrics. But just focusing on this game, uh, yeah, I mean, great, great win for Miami. Uh, Notre Dame, they're a running football team, and it just got to the point where they weren't going to be able to come back in this game. So um, that is a big win for Miami, absolutely, um, and they're deserving of of being highly ranked. Um, and kudos to them and what Mark Rick has done with that program at this point uh, to get them to, uh, uh, what are they at this point, Nine and 9-0? Oh. Um, so and especially, you know, they they suffered the same setbacks as Florida State because of the hurricane. And when you saw what happened to Florida State, what Miami has been able to do, and that makes that even more impressive. Um, but we've been rooting for Miami to win. We want them to win and be undefeated. Uh, When we play them in the ACC championship game, that's only going to look better for us if if we beat them. So uh, it's going to be a tough matchup, uh, but we'll see. Cool. So number seven, Miami got the win over
2: number three, Notre Dame. Uh, Let's move to the next top 10 matchup. Uh, Number five, Oklahoma, 18-point victory at home against TCU. I think people were waiting to see how OU would fare against a decent defense. At least you can consider TCU to have one of those. Uh, Put up 38 points. Pretty handy victory throughout that game. I don't think that one was ever really in question, maybe in the first, you know, two, three, four drives. But um, Baker Mayfield probably iced the Heisman with this performance. I don't know that we learned a ton about Oklahoma.
1: No, I I mean, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, okay, they they won a football game against a a, a good Big 12 school. What does that mean? I still don't know how to compare uh, these Big 12 schools with everybody else at this point just because their brand of football is so drastically different. I mean, give the credit to TCU. Oklahoma had 38 at halftime uh, of the Bedlam game, so they held them that this entire game. But outside of that, we're going to have to see Oklahoma in a playoff setting to know how really good they are.
2: Yeah, I mean, they did win that game pretty handily in Columbus against Ohio
1: State. They are. But then you see what happens to Ohio State against Iowa. Yeah, we'll see. I want to see Oklahoma in a playoff setting to see how good they are. You
2: probably will get the chance. I mean chances are they I mean they will face one of either TCU, Oklahoma State. Uh, it looks like in the Big 12 championship game, maybe one of those teams can get revenge um, and completely tank their conference. Uh, but we'll see about that. Um, so the one that most people were talking about heading into the weekend, Clemson fans certainly had a vested interest in this was um, number 10 Auburn facing off in number one Georgia. this was this one was played at Jordan Harris Stadium. and from the gun, this was all Auburn. Carry on Johnson, who Clemson actually avoided um, in our game, um, showed up in this one in a big way. Major, major component of their offense. Jarrett Siddham also had a pretty great game. I saw a bunch of highlight plays, which were a little bit more of Gus Malzon um, and his kind of and their offensive coordinator, Chip Lindsey. those guys doing some mad science, scientist stuff with the scheme. Uh, but Auburn played great. I think Georgia was exposed as a uh, pretty unidimensional team, and if you could take away their running game and try to make a freshman quarterback beat you, uh, he's, he was not up to the task. I think Fromm played a pretty solid game overall, but um, just not enough to to overcome 40 points from Auburn.
1: Yeah, this was like seeing Mississippi State being ranked number one a few years ago and then blowing it times 10. I was. I mean, mean again, it was a hype. Yeah. Well, and in, in terms of my enjoyment and pure happiness too, you know, my uh, my quality of life, uh, and not to mention that you know Auburn's on Clemson's schedule. That's a notch on Clemson's belt. So you, you want these teams to win. Yeah. We at this point we hold
2: the best out of conference win in the country. Previously, that distinction went to Oklahoma over Ohio State, but uh, Clemson over Auburn holding that offensive juggernaut to six points. Pretty impressive. I think that will be a pretty big tiebreaker if it comes down to it, um, which I don't think it will actually, because a lot of the, the shakeout that happened over the weekend probably means for Clemson, at least, you know, it's win and we're in um, in terms of the ACC title game. Of course, that assumes we beat the Citadel in South Carolina. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we learned a lot. I think what's interesting now is uh, we'll talk about Alabama next. What's Auburn's ceiling? You know, could they run the table here? Could they go in? And beat Alabama. Could they rematch with Georgia and uh, take care of business? And I, I listened to a couple of national podcasts over the weekend, and the prevailing thought about that game is nothing about that win was unsustainable for Auburn. It wasn't like a couple fluke plays, anything on special teams or turnovers. It was just a, a sound ass whooping.
1: Well, and I believe I said this last time. We were finally going to get to see what Georgia was made of when they played Auburn, and I think we're getting the same uh, to see the. I think we get to have the same opportunity when Alabama plays Auburn again. That's at Jordan Hare as well. You got kind of an inkling of that um, Alabama playing a close game against Mississippi State um, in Oxford, um, Starksville, Starksville, whatever. <laughs> One of the places in Mississippi. Um, what's that? Ole Miss Different plays in Oxford. all together. Is Ole Miss play in Oxford. Yes. Yeah, who cares that's about right. Ole Miss? Yeah. Um, I'd love uh, to go to a game there though. Have you ever been to Mississippi? have never been. I hear Biloxi's nice. Hit hit that, too.
2: Some casinos down there? That's right. Riverboat. Anyway, back to that game. Uh, So, yeah, Alabama did not necessarily look like their dominant selves in this game. They are down, I don't know, what, four linebackers at this point. Um, And, you know, they're they're a school that recruits well. They have a lot of depth um, and a lot of talent within that depth. Uh, But you, you knock out any the top kind of four, four linebackers off any core in the country, and they're going to struggle. And I think you saw that in this game against, uh, which potentially bodes well for Clemson in a matchup with Bama, a very mobile quarterback, a run first quarterback, and um, an offense that does have an, sort of an innovative edge to it, in Mississippi State. Uh, so that was strong. Um, Mississippi State's defense played out of its mind in this game. Um, under Todd Grantham, the ousted uh, Louisville defensive coordinator, previously Georgia, so uh, I don't know. I, I did think Mississippi State would give Bama a game in this. I think we haven't really seen Alabama face a complete team yet. They struggle with a and who's not a complete team. So, yeah, Auburn, that's going to be their most formidable opponent on the year.
1: So let's let's get down to it. Who do you have as your top five right now? Or you can go further than that. I mean, you can consider any playoff contenders. But off the cuff, who would you give it to? <clears throat>
2: I think if we're if we're going strictly by resume and maybe let's use this as a way to predict what we're gonna see in tomorrow night's um recording this on a Monday on Tuesday nights, um playoff committee results, I think it's gonna go Alabama, Miami, Oklahoma, Clemson, Georgia, Wisconsin, Auburn.
1: All right. So that's you're predicting that's how the college football playoff committee ranks it uh ranks it. That's right. All right. Here's, in my opinion, how it should be. I've got Alabama at one. I've got Clemson at number two. I've got Oklahoma at number three. I've got Miami at number four, Wisconsin five, Auburn six, Georgia seven, Ohio State eight. And let me give you my reasoning. Let me ask you real quick. Sure. Does that mean
2: if you're three, the number two team would be you? If you're number four, you would be at the number five team and so on.
1: Uh, well I'm ranking it off and I I'm setting the rankings best based off of where I think they should be based on what they've done this year. Okay. So, so you going resume. So you the, the thing that I like to do is I like to take a look at a team's schedule and see the Power 5 teams that they've played and what those opponents' records are to that point in the season. And this time I took it a little bit further to kind of see what the margin of victory was too. Um the, the reason I put Alabama up there is Number one, their opponents only have a 506 winning percentage right now, which it's above 500, but it's not that great. But the thing that you look at is that they do have a 29-point margin of victory in those games, which that means they are killing the teams they should. They're undefeated right now. I got them number one. Clemson number two because their opponents have a 580 winning percentage with a 14-point margin of victory in those games. You compare that uh, to a team Miami, why I have them at number four, Miami's opponents are at 485 with a 14-point margin of victory, nearly a 100-point difference. So to me, I think that, that says a lot. Now, Oklahoma have them in there at number three, and the reason I don't have them above Clemson, uh, they do have a 575 winning percentage of their for their opponents and only a nine-point margin of victory, and they don't have a defense. And I just don't trust teams that don't <coughs> play defense, but you can flip Clemson two or three, whatever you want. And then you look at Wisconsin, the last real undefeated team, um, their winning percentage, their opponents, is only 443. 19-point margin of victory, but again, that's nothing compares to Alabama's uh, uh, 29. Um, but a 443 winning percentage. Who have they played? Like, have to see them play somebody good to really get a good judge, and that's why I have uh, Wisconsin down there at number five. And honestly, I think Auburn ends up, the only reason I have them above Auburn is because Auburn has two losses. Yeah, I think what
2: the committee is going to look at is, auburn's victories they may not have the. i'm sorry oklahoma oklahoma's victories they may not have as impressive win as, as clemson's auburn win um but what they do have is they've beaten a lot of pretty uh, currently top 10 teams or pretty close to that mark in ohio state tcu and oklahoma state they sort of get the volume play there and yeah they lost to iowa state um and maybe some of those those victories um you mentioned a nine point margin of victory which is interesting i feel like They've been blowing teams out. Um, So I kind of think that's why why they would have them ahead. I think Miami gets the undefeated bump by the committee. Um, You could argue, well, yeah, but they played a lot of teams close. So does that really matter? I think Miami, I mean, I'm not sure about this. Maybe they could feel like that Florida State team from the 2014 season uh, where they were kind of skating by. They had something like seven one point or one score victories that year. but anyway, that that's kind of the justification there. I think they would keep Georgia pretty close to the top, top five. To go from number one out of the top five, I just don't really see it happening. Yeah, but you got to put Auburn ahead of them, right? Auburn's got two losses though. Um, but Auburn head to head, kicked their ass, whooped them. No, I, I think I do. I think again, their victory against them was a very
1: sustainable victory. I think if and when they with they only other again. losses to LSU and Clemson, who right. is in the top four. and the
2: LSU loss was interesting. They lost by three. They didn't score a point in the second half. And LSU's LSU is not a
1: bad football team.
2: Yeah, they're not terrible. Two so, lost team. Um, I think Auburn's. I don't know. Going back to kind of the who's going to be who if they match up. Um, it's really hard. I don't I don't really see a definitive number one in this whole group, including Alabama. I think it's a lot of teams that have, you know, kind of they feel like a, a two, three, four type of team. I think we just have a ton of those this year. And I don't know if we'll
1: find out between now and championship weekend who
2: really the number one should be.
1: Let me put it this way: Clemson doesn't lose to Syracuse, they're hands down number one right now based on resume. I think you're right. What's also interesting, I was talking about a friend
2: about this, talking with a friend about this. Let's say we were undefeated at this point. We were number one. Let's say Miami's been doing what they're doing. If we lose that game, I think we're still out of the out of the playoff. Even at, if we hadn't lost to Syracuse, I don't think they would allow two ACC schools in. So in that regard, the Syracuse loss doesn't matter to Clemson at all. We got to win the the title. We have to win the league. Um, it's just kind of an interesting wrinkle. But uh, anyway, I yeah I, we'll see we'll see what happens here. I think there's plenty of weeks um worth of action to kind of decide what ultimately happens are there any matchups this weekend ben that you're you're kind of scouting and looking at could be interesting from the landscape perspective kind of a kind of a down week we mentioned you know the socon and what league is the citadel in i guess it's like the socon week. it's the socon yeah, it's the socon week for us for most of the sec too now, the only
1: one to really look at is michigan at wisconsin um Possibly Wisconsin has a chance to get their first loss. Otherwise, not much else to talk about Virginia at Miami. Maybe Miami has a letdown. Virginia has played decent this year, but I don't think it happens. And then everything else, there's really nothing of interest. Yeah, for sure. This is kind of the weekend ahead of Thanksgiving
2: or whatever to uh, get some family time in on on Saturday. But, um, hey, it was a hell of a a weekend. There are plenty of other games we could talk about, but we'll move on here. Uh, But, yeah, it's only going to intensify as we get into rivalry week coming up. Um, but with that, I mean, you know, tremendous time of year for college football fans, let's savor these moments because we've only got, you know, a handful of weeks left where this sport is in season. So, uh, and it's a really long off season after that. So, um, I, myself am definitely enjoying it. Uh, but with that, why don't we flip over and invite our buddy Sam to come back on, ask him a few questions about Clemson hoops.
0: Sam, you awake? Yeah, I'm yawning a little bit, but I'm still here.
2: All right. Well, uh, thank you for sticking with us and uh, to our faithful Clemson basketball fans. Thank you for making it through a bunch of great iron talk to get to this point. Um, Sam, you know, for for the uninitiated Clemson fan that has not yet, you know, diverted their attention to the hardwood coming back to talk about basketball. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of how last year ended and what kind of the outlook or perspective is of Clemson fans coming off of that, getting into the start of this season?
0: Yeah, we ended last year at 17 and 16. We lost in the first round of the NIT to an Oakland team after being up about 25 in that game and blowing the lead. After that loss, a lot, yeah, at home, hosting for the the first round of the NIT. A lot of Clemson fans after that game really were looking for Brad Brownell to be cut and fired from the team. Um, Instead, in the offseason, what he got was a contract extension, which caught people off guard a little bit. Um, and we can talk about why uh, Dan did that in the offseason because there was some logic to it. Yep. Um, and we also lost our best player in Jaron Blossom game and a couple of other senior starters. Um, so coming off of last season, the, the outlook wasn't fantastic, uh, but we brought in some new faces and um, have an updated Little John to really give the team a new look this year.
1: So Sam, let's talk about that contract extension. Uh, you know, going back to two years ago, I thought uh, we should have cut the cord with Brownell. Then, had we, uh, if we knew that the Ron Blossom game was going to go to the NBA, which, is it, in hindsight, looks like he might have shouldn't uh, gone then to cash in on his draft stock. Um, uh, but now, coming out of last season, last season was the first time I really saw Brad Brownell lose a basketball team. Um, especially you mentioned that Oakland game. So, what is the strategy there uh, behind extending his contract and bringing him back?
0: Yeah, I think I think they really did want to give him a chance to finish out Jerron's career after he came back after his fantastic junior season. But the logic behind the extension was that while we extended him out to the 2021 season uh, and have continued to pay him and will continue to pay him almost $2 million a year over that contract, what we did was reduce the buyout from about $3 million after the end of this season down to uh, about 1.7. So if we do cut him after this year, if things go poorly, um, we're saving ourselves over a million dollars and, and in, so in the buyout.
1: Essentially, if he does well, he's going to get paid for it. If he doesn't, we're going to show him the door.
0: Exactly. It's a, It's a good way to set him up for proving himself and proving that the team can do well. Sure. And so the
1: more I think about it, and you hear a lot of, especially as you see in college football, that – Programs have become so quick and so impatient. I mean, they've been so quick to get rid of coaches after three, four years even. Um, the guys on ESPN made a good analogy, or you we were talking about, I guess, a good reference, um, talking about Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State and how they've been very patient with him, and they went through some bad seasons, but he's gotten things in a pretty good place for Oklahoma State. When you look at that with Clemson basketball, Clemson's not – there has never been a, Clemson, uh, a college basketball powerhouse. But is there some strategy, too? And listen, we got Brad Brownell. This is a guy whose attitude and culture fits what we have here at Clemson. Let's stick with this guy, invest in him, invest in the facilities, and give him a shot uh, to in more than just four or five years to build something here. Um, you saw him – go with some strategy, a different strategy uh, the last couple seasons and going with some transfer players. But now you're starting to see him actually start to heat up on the recruiting trail. You know, I I hate to keep giving a guy a chance and then getting pie in my face at the end of it uh, when he doesn't do very well. But is that what you're seeing here at Clemson, maybe?
0: Yeah, I think longevity and coaching in the ACC is something that is – common. We've got a lot of really long tenured coaches with a couple of new faces that have come in the last couple of years, but you see guys like Shishovsky, beheim uh, Roy Williams at UNC that have been for around, right, around for game. 10, 15, 20 years. Exactly. Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino. Oh, so oh, well, whoops. <laughs> um, but I think Brownell, this, this is his eighth season as Clemson's head coach. And so we really, we have a good sense of what he is capable of. Um, but to your point, I think part of the reason that we have given him such a long rope Uh, is that the facilities at Clemson for basketball have been well below standards in the ACC for the last few years. And uh, he has done a good job pivoting his approach to try and get different recruits and transfers into the program. And he's been pretty successful the last couple of years, getting some good transfers in. And this year's uh, freshman class is pretty strong.
1: Yeah. And well, and you only need to look as far as the football program to see what facilities have done there again. Clemson basketball does not have that same pedigree within the college basketball world, but you know when you see something working, why not apply that somewhere else. Um so yeah, I mean Brownell is not a, a coach K, he's not a Jim Beheim, he's not a Royal Williams, but Clemson just Clemson can't be the basketball program that just fires guys after 3 or 4 seasons because because of that pedigree pedigree. You need to you need to kind of put your trust in a guy and ride it out for a while. And, you know, what happens at worst? You're a bad basketball program. Well, guess what? We've been a bad basketball program. That's pretty common.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've been sort of middle of the pack to lower pack in the ACC for the last 10 years from the end of Oliver Purnell's tenure as the coach all the way through. But Never in the bottom two or three. No, we're That's never the at the very bottom.
1: Well, the funny thing is we, like, start the preseason rankings by the press down there, and then Brown Brownells actually had some – I mean, um, pretty high achieving teams at times. You can make some money
2: betting on Clemson's over win totals. Absolutely. Even in the worst Brownell years.
1: Brownell's problem, for the most part, has been uh, bad starts and good AC, or decent ACC uh, campaigns. At least as far as Clemson's standards are concerned. Um, complete opposite last
0: year. Yeah, I think last year we sort of flipped the script from what normally happens with this Clemson team. We started off super strong and then just sort of collapsed in the ACC and and totally fell apart.
1: So I think what we're looking at of this Clemson team this year is more consistency. We can get out of uh, the non-conference schedule with two, maybe three losses and then have a nine, 10 win season in the ACC. You're looking at a tournament team.
0: I think so. I think if we can have an eight or nine win ACC conference, um, we're going to be in the tournament or at least in the runnings for it.
2: Who, uh, who do you see in our out of conference that maybe is the most exciting game and, who do you think maybe out there that we can upset?
0: I think the obvious uh, most exciting game that we have is against Florida and probably Ohio State. Um, we play Florida in the middle of December and Ohio State is actually at the end of November. Uh, but we've got a tournament coming up this weekend uh, in Charleston where we could be playing a team like Auburn in the SEC if we find ourselves in a matchup with them in the, in the tournament. They're that going could under a bunch of They're in a ton of scrutiny problems. right now with yeah. Bruce Pearl and a couple of their top players are out so we may not get their full squad which is sort of unfortunate uh, cuz it would be a good test early on in the season.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned Ohio State, that's going to be the ACC Big 10 challenge. Um they they've got a first-year head coach up there, Thad Mod is out after a long run. So we'll see what what that new head coach is able to bring, but it should be a, a really good marquee matchup and Florida um, they they should be a pretty pretty experienced squad this year, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, they've got uh, a lot of faces back from last year and uh, are definitely going to be competitive. They're eighth in the country right now coming into the season and uh, definitely going to run for a, an SEC championship, if not a deep tournament run. Nice. I mean,
2: I, I think what last year's team, you guys mentioned it, bucked the trend from the out-of-conference to ACC play. I think this, this team also bucked the trend from Brad Brownell, disciplined defensive first teams, ball control, um, decent enough movement to a little bit of hero ball and kind of even more offense first. But we could score
1: sometimes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that was something that gave me hope for this year is that generally Brownell's teams have been super strong defensively. Uh, and last year we were just could not close games out at all and really struggled on the defensive end. Uh, Our defensive efficiency last year was in the bottom half of the country, uh, whereas in the last couple years, we were up in the upper half to upper third. So if we can get back to that level of defense, our offense has a lot of weapons this year that we are not used to having, and we could make a decent run at the season.
1: So we're two games in now, very early on in the season, with uh, good wins, (laughs) uh, decently sized wins uh, over Western Carolina and North Carolina a What have you seen out of the team so far this year? You know, both the returners and the new guys.
0: Yeah, the first game and the second game had two very different looks as far as which players contributed heavily. Uh, Dante Grantham has started off really strong. Both team, both games, he's had a, uh, a really good outing. And so the first game, he and a lot of the freshmen are the ones that really contributed. Uh, one of the Freshman Amir Sims uh, is a 6'8 power forward slash small small forward who looks extremely athletic and really has pretty good hands and pretty good handles for a guy his size. Uh, So I'm excited about him getting out there and contributing right away. We've got a couple of young guards in uh, A.J. Oliver and Clyde Trapp that are really going to be able to contribute on defense right away and hopefully come into their own on offense throughout the season.
1: How much of an impact do you see Elijah Thomas having this year, now his second year with the program?
0: I think Eli looked really good in the second game against North Carolina and T and if he can use some of those moves that he's been working on in the offseason, it's clear he's been putting in work because the way he dominated uh, and defense on Sunday was really impressive. Uh, if he plays like that the whole season, he's going to be a solid player. Well, it's good to hear that too,
1: because coming in um, uh, transfer from Texas A&M. Um, one of his knocks was maybe that he didn't put forth the effort. I uh, was a little bit lazy at times, so good to hear that. Um, another big guy, center transfer from uh, Michigan, Mark Donnell. He's played uh, a good bit early on this year, and he's looked pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think Donnell's going to be a good uh, veteran presence for us. He's played in the tournament before with with Michigan, and he never got huge minutes, but he came in and hit some big shots and made some big plays for that Michigan team the last couple of years. So hopefully he can uh, teach some of our young guys and even some of our seniors how to uh, really close out games and finish strong.
2: We, I wanted to ask you, Sam, Clemson's teams have had a tradition of having one, maybe two guys on the team really endear themselves to the students. Um, you go back, mention Brian Narcisse and um, forget who. I mean, you had uh, anyway a number of guys in the past. Where do you who do you think is that guy this year on the squad?
0: a good question. I think uh, the freshman class is going to be a lot of fun this year. Um, It'll depend on who gets the playing time. The obvious answer is probably A.J. Oliver. He's uh, our women's head coach's son, Audrey Smith's son, uh, and he's been with the program since last January. He came in early and took some classes and got used to the college life before this season. Um, He's super long. I think he's 6'6", really long arms, really aggressive defensively. I think he's going to be that energy guy off the bench for us. I think he could really be the one that the fan base enjoys watching
1: sweet um and the one other guy we haven't talked about yet he's currently suspended for some mysterious reason from his time at a uh, valvo um scara yep david scara david scara what do we expect out of him
0: so brownell last week called him by far the best defensive player on the team so if we can get him back he's a, a 6-8 shooter uh that is also pretty good on the glass so having him as a uh, our best defender and a decent contributor on offense and on the glass is going to be huge. Um, That gap in defense and rebounding from the previous seasons could be filled a lot by him and by Donnell coming in and helping with a veteran presence.
1: And then finally, how much confidence should Clemson basketball fans have that Dante Grantham and Gabe DeVoe are actually going to produce this year
0: on a consistent basis? I think they're still going to be streaky. Uh, I think they've started off strong. A lot of what happened with Dante last year was that he lost confidence in his shot and just sort of <laughs> fell apart at the end of the season. Um, and Gabe just really didn't have a shot for most of the season last year. They both came in the first couple games this year and have looked really strong. Uh, it seems like they're really taking on that senior mantle and saying, this is our team this year. Uh, we're going to lead these guys and and take them as far as we can. But I think
2: what can help there, it seems like this team has a lot more depth. And experience than last year, so maybe the pressure's off them a little bit to be the guy, be the guys need to need to actually take on that that burden.
0: Yeah, I think guys like Marquise Reed and Shelton Mitchell, uh, along with them, can lead the team. We've got four four to six guys that can go for fifteen on any given night, so it'll help take the burden off of them to have to do it every night, and it should be uh, a little bit easier for them to contribute in other ways besides just leading and scoring.
2: I'm going to probably take a question Ben wants to ask, but let's look ahead to the future of this program. What are the odds Clemson ends up with Zion Williamson?
0: Uh, The odds are not good. Zion is one of the top five recruits in the class. He's a physical freak. If you haven't looked him up, go online, look at his YouTube clips. They're insane. He's a giant, and he's freakishly athletic. Uh, There's not a good chance we get him. He was supposed to come to the game on Sunday uh, to watch us blow out. North Carolina AT. He didn't make it. He had some schedule. He went and watched Wofford play, actually. Yeah. Football, so that is. he, uh, he pro- that was not a big deal as far as the recruiting process. But Wofford's um, probably not going to get him. I don't think Wofford's going to get him. No. <laughs> um, but I, I wouldn't give us good odds to, to land it. Zion.
1: No, I'm contradicting you. I'm calling it. Um, I say that with low level confidence, but I have nothing to lose. So who cares? <laughs> um, yeah. So, Quick question. Clemson starts softball in a couple years. Who wins a national championship first, the Clemson men's basketball team or the Clemson softball team?
0: Given our uh, our history with baseball, I'm going to go with the softball team. Uh, I don't think that the basketball team is going to be national championship worthy in the next 10 years. Well, maybe five years. We don't want to go quite that far out.
1: Okay, let's Uh, let's take a step down then. Does Clemson win at uh, Chapel Hill first? or does Clemson yeah. win a softball championship or does the softball team win an
2: ACC championship?
0: I feel good about the Chapel Hill games. We've got to get it eventually. I can't believe that it'll keep going for another we have, five, 10 years. We just, we we might just can't. Year. I think we do have one this year. Well, it's just like the we, schedule.
1: because when we brought in all these other teams and, uh, in, into the ACC, we stopped playing there, them every year in Chapel Hill. And I swear every time that we don't play there, it seems like we have a really good team and we like beat them at home. Um, we might win a national championship in basketball before we win at Chapel Hill.
0: Yeah, that Chapel Hill curse is definitely real, uh, but we do have one this year in January. So hopefully, we can. Uh, it's in the middle of a really brutal st- stretch in our schedule with uh, Miami, UNC, and Notre Dame straight in a row. But it's the ACC, though.
1: There, yeah, exactly. You're going to have it. a
0: couple of stretches like that every year. So hopefully, we can uh, we can break it this year in January.
2: Sam, so who's your prediction for our ACC champ this year?
0: I don't want to do it, but I think I have to go Duke. Uh, they reloaded as they have since Shashevsky's since gone to this one and done recipe. You
1: know, we brought you on specifically. To I know. Counteract- Cody's Cody. going to be so
0: happy I said that.
1: Um, so I'm not sure if we're Wrong signing. Answer. We may not sign your paycheck this week <laughs> uh, or any if, week. For if that you matter. want a
0: couple of other possibilities, uh, I'd go with Notre Dame as a pretty strong chance to win it. Bonzi Colson's probably going to be the ACC player of the year this year. He had a great year last year. Um, they could do really well. Miami and North Carolina also are going to be really strong this year. So we'll see who ends up, and uh, that'd probably be my top four. Would be those four this year.
2: Last question: We got to cut it. Is Rick Pitino face federal prison?
0: I don't know, man. They're they're sending a lot of these assistant coaches that work directly with the uh, the Adidas reps to prison. So I what, hope what, I hope not. Once the low guys on the totem
1: pole start going you start getting, I think, we'll, on the I think we'll
0: see a lot more dominoes fall with that this year as the season progresses.
1: That's all I got. Uh,
2: well, thank you, Sam. Appreciate that. We will touch base soon, maybe every couple of weeks or so, get an up, update on what's going on with men's hoops. But um, yeah, looking forward to uh, catching some of these out of conference games as they come up. I think you mentioned this tournament this weekend in Charleston's keep a close eye on that Um, bookending the Citadel game on the football field. So it should be cool. Um, how do you watch these games? Are they on watch ESPN?
0: Yeah, they're mostly on ACC network on watch network. ESPN. Um, they're available online for streaming pretty much
2: every game. Awesome. Look forward to that. Um, guys, thank you once more for tuning in, sticking with us throughout. Um, we will be back with a Citadel recap, South Carolina preview.
1: I hope we're not talking week. a lot about the Citadel recap. Definitely maybe how good the, the young guys are playing.
2: Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, but yeah, we'll do that Thanksgiving week, give you guys some good holiday listening from the podcast. Thank you once again for spreading the word, and as always, go Tigers. And I'm so
0: I'm so happy for our family. It's not it's not this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stefan Anthony's, the Grady jairs the new Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation, and all we did is build upon it, and we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home.
2: Probably should have been a a lesser amount there. Um, That, that, uh, what's his name? Their tight end.
1: Oh, yeah, that guy. Um, That touchdown. Izzo. Izzo. Let's back it up. (laughs) Then with Blossom Game coming back, okay, give him one more chance with the superstar. Now after this year, um did you turn my mic on? Yep. <laughs> <laughs>